Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. To stay updated on all things VOBB, you can swing by our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter, boothbesties.com, and join us in the VO Booth Besties Facebook group as well. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Alexa is currently the head of casting at Harbor Picture Company. Before that, she served as head of casting at Sound Lounge and worked on commercial projects with Tiffany's, Nike, and the American Museum of Natural History, where she recently worked with clients to find a narrator for an up-and-coming exhibit. Prior to her time there, she honed her craft working on Broadway, off-Broadway and regional theater productions, as well as working agency side in the voiceover department at Innovative Artists Agency. In February 2020, Alexa expanded Sound Lounge voiceover casting to be nationwide for clients through Virtual Booth, an online casting platforms that gives actors personal and unique direction. Clients have come back to Alexa for her trained ear because she carefully curates each and every audition session to make sure they have something new to listen to within each take. All right. Welcome, Alexa. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. I don't think I've been this excited to have somebody for our audience to hear from in a while because you have a very different perspective from kind of the group think that we have a tendency to get trapped in in the voiceover, at least this aspect of the voiceover industry, which we're going to talk about. But um, I'm a big fan of your no-nonsense but impactful way of working to bridge that gap between talent and clients. And um, I love chatting about the industries with you. So I would love (laughs) for you to get started with your story because it not only is it awesome, I think it represents something that NJ in particular is passionate about, and that's just that you never know who you're talking to, so it's important to talk to strangers. So your elevator story is like my favorite. So tell us your story. <laughs> oh, awesome. I mean, honestly, if I had a dollar for every time I tell this story, I I could be retired right now. But honestly, it's, it's my favorite story. Um, so back in the day, I studied musical theater at Elon University way back when. Uh, so I have my BFA and then I moved to New York and I realized, okay, maybe I don't really want to be a performer. Um, my senior year of college, uh, we invited down different casting directors and different agents to come down and we would audition for them versus like coming to New York and having a showcase per se. So everybody in our class had a specific job with, you know, these casting directors and agents. And my job was to pick up the casting directors and agents from Raleigh-Durham Airport and take them to Elon, right? Yep. North Carolina. (laughs) Um, So that was my job. And I got to spend like roughly like two and a half, like three hours round trip with these people in the car. And I didn't, I didn't want to like ask them all these questions of like, Hey, I'm, I'm like a hungry, eager actor. Like, how do I get into the room with you? What do I do? Like I had to play it very chill, very cool. And I would just go off of what, you know, they were doing. So there was one casting director in particular, um, that I picked up and I just got like a great, great vibe from her. And as I was taking her back to the airport, I said, you know, I would be super, super interested in casting. Like what, what do you recommend on doing? She was like, well, you know, my company, we have an internship program. So if you would like to go to this intern or you can apply to this internship program, uh, send me your stuff and I can see what I can do. So I said, great. Um, I ended up sending her my stuff. I got an internship. I had graduated, came to New York with this internship. Um, I got paid in like Metro cards or something. And it was great, but also very hard. Um, But it, it got my feet wet within the casting community, right? Um, and then from there, you know, internships, cause they don't pay anything. You have to kind of find a, a full-time job situation. And at the time, my friend had just recently signed with innovative artists, a different friend, and he wanted me to network with an, with a junior agent there because the junior agent had also gone through the internship program that I had completed, but our paths just never really crossed. So I met up with her. She said, 
um, she said, yeah, you should come in. You should interview with us. You know, a, a position is opening up on our desk. And this was for the children's theatrical department. And at that time, I had been working as a casting assistant for Matilda the Musical on Broadway, but for all the kids. So I was running all of those open calls. And I thought, okay, I love kids. I've been doing this for a little bit. This would be a perfect kind of transition as I'm figuring out what I'm doing. So I take this interview and I'm gelling like really, really well with this agent. And we had like this Pittsburgh connection that we were talking about. She was like, okay, this is a really hard job. Like what really makes you want to do this? I pitched myself. It was perfect. I was coming off of like cloud. I thought I had the job in the bag. Right. Um, And I, I ended up leaving. I was walking, uh, walking out, get on the elevator. And there's this other girl that gets in the elevator with me. She's like around my age and she looks over. She goes, oh, you just interviewed for Barb's desk, right? I said, yeah. She didn't introduce herself. I had no idea who she was. And I said, yeah. And she goes, would you like to work here? And I said, yeah, I think it would be like a really cool opportunity. And she goes, okay, cool. And that was it. She get off Seattle there. I go one way. She goes the other way. Um, That night I get a call from Innovative, but it was through Deborah Sherry. And she is one of the agents in the voiceover department. She said, hey, Alexa, um, I know you interviewed for Barb's desk. Uh, Barb's position had been filled a couple weeks ago, but my assistant just rode the elevator down with you today. And she said that I should give you a call. And I was like, mm-hmm, OK, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing because I I really I, th- I had no idea. And I told her on the phone, I said, you don't like I respect you so much. Thank you for this. And we, we talked for hours and hours before like got to that part of the conversation, obviously. But I said, um, I know nothing about voiceover. So I, you wouldn't want me as your assistant. Um, and she said, if you work for me, I will teach you everything you need to know. And she did. She really, really did. I got my feet wet in voiceover and it was, it was, um, during a time where voiceover, everybody evolves and changes and this industry grows, which I absolutely love. But this was during a time when like, you know, you had like the really, really heavy hitter uh, announcer guys that had like one or two clients and they were making a boatload of money. Um, But they were also legends. Like these men were legends Um, and understanding who they were and how they worked. um, I would be sending out MP3s to them and saying, Hey, can you turn this around quickly? Um, and we would have to like, like watch, uh, what was it like voice bank at the time and that it's no longer a, a website or anything, but that's what we had to constantly watch. If, you know, producers would put up jobs and then we would have to quickly get those jobs and then make sure we would get, uh, get all of the auditions in. And I remember calling these guys up being like, hi, Rob, like, can you, can you send around this audition for me? Like really quickly. And he goes, no, I don't do MP3s, but I will come in and I will audition because we had a booth like in the office. Um, And I just remember being like, man, these guys got to get with the times. And then I'm like, actually, no, because it was a beautiful, beautiful moment in the voiceover realm. Right. And it seems like it was so, so long ago, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have had the the foundation of like my life and how I view casting for not only my company and my my department that I'm building, but for everyone that I work with, whether you've been in the industry for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 some years, or you're just kind of starting out. Yeah. So talk to us about what, like what that difference is from when, um, and, and we'll get to virtual booth because I want to chat about that just a little bit, but from sitting there, listening to them in person, where mm-hmm. they're auditioning to getting piles of MP3s on your computer. How does that, yeah. how different is that? What is the biggest difference? I mean, from, well, from the, from the agency side, the talent agency side versus like the casting director side of it, it's very different because now it, it, it's the talent agency, you know, we had a roster of people. So whoever auditioned for their projects, I like already kind of knew who they were. I knew what they were going to accomplish. Um, and I knew what kind of takes they were going to be submitting. Right. And it was my my boss, the agents that would be submitting these people on the projects, right? If they were super busy or if the agent was out, like me after being there a couple of years, they would say, okay, Alexa, do this list, see see who you would want to submit on it. When you get something for like women in their 30s or like men in their 60s, there's 
a list of people because that's your roster, right? right. Um, but on the casting side of it, I'm working with a whole bunch of agents now on both coasts. And it's really great because I get to creatively work with these agents to say, okay, I remember so-and-so if I have this person audition, then I think I would really like, I think it would compliment if this person auditions and if this person auditions, then, you know, we can work with this person. So it's all just kind of like, um, I like calling it like a charcuterie, like a beautiful charcuterie of just like voices, you know, because it's my job to also make my clients have a hard time picking and choosing who they want to submit and present to their clients for the project. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a really good point. One of the only, I think the only question we had in advance of today's session is someone said, uh, how do I like, and essentially how do I get on Harbor's roster? And I was like, well, I can Mm. tell you right now, they don't keep a roster, but can you, can you talk to that a little bit? Casting directors don't typically keep rosters. And how do you, so how do you find your talent for people who genuinely have no idea how this works? Beautiful question, because I'm sure every single casting director is going to have a different answer to this. Um, and I know that the business has changed so much so that like back when I was auditioning long, long time ago, and let's, I, let's not even say it was voiceover because I never auditioned for voiceover. I was always on the theatrical side. I would never get in front of a casting director and say, how do I audition for you? How, how do I do this? Just because that wasn't like, that wasn't the norm, you know, it was just like figuring it out, doing your research, seeing kind of like how they call in specific people. Um, but I also understand and respect that that is a, that's a whole different way of working now. That's not how we work. Um, but to answer your question, you know, I don't, I want to be very, very clear as to why I choose not to have a roster or when people say on the creative side, why they have rosters, it's very, very different from what I do um, or other casting directors, but I don't want to speak for them. You know, right. It is our job to creatively find people who are industry pros, at least for my projects that I like to, that I like to work on and present to my clients. You know, um, there are, after the past couple of years, there have been a huge, huge influx of talent and people that have gotten into this industry, um, which is fabulous. And I absolutely love, uh, but it's, it's difficult to meet all of these new people all at the same time. And in the beginning of the pandemic, I used, I'm huge on LinkedIn. You're like, I was, um, and I'll say why I was in a second, um, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, huge on LinkedIn. I was saying yes to every single person. Cause in my mind, I thought it is my job to know talent, to be able to reach out to talent, to be able to find talent, uh, if I'm working on like a super hard project. But over the past few years, I realized number one, all of these beautiful, if you're out there listening and we're connected on LinkedIn, that's great. But beautiful people posting about their jobs and projects and everything, but I, I don't know them. And at the end of the day, this the projects that I'm casting people on or wanting to audition for my projects are also because I, I know them on a creative level. And that to me is very important because if I am introducing you as a talent and connecting you to a client that I have, you're representing me. So it can't, if something happens or if something goes wrong, it needs to be like a, Hey, Alexa, this is what happened in the session. Like, do do you know this person or is this okay that this happened? And I'm like, no, actually it's not okay. There's, there's just a lot of, there's the etiquette that needs to happen between the sessions of how, how they work. Right. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm sidetracking a lot, No, but that is, that's why. Yeah, that's why I don't really have a roster because the networking and relationships that I have been building and are building with talent agents um, who already represent amazing clients and who consistently um, meet new new talent and new clients, that's kind of my way of saying, okay, I trust them. They trust you. Let's all work together. I can I can figure out ways that you're going to work well for this project and this project. Um, I do, I teach where I get to to meet a whole bunch of newer talent, right? And if they are not signed with, with agents, um, I've started like collecting my own notes 
that too. And there have been a couple of times that I do reach out to people one-on-one and I say, Hey, you know, I really do think that you would be good for this project, but it's, it's like another level. It's another layer of work that I need to do. But again, that's also my job. So if I feel like you're very, very good for a project, then that's the extra step that I will take to get that read from you. Um, but yeah, there's just, it, it's, it's the ebbs and it's the ebb and flow, I guess, if I can say that of the projects I work on and, and the constant turnover that it is just a lot easier for me to work with the talent agents that I already have beautiful working relationships with. Yeah. I'm sure it makes a big difference to know when you send out to talent agencies, you know, you're getting people who have Source Connect Home Studio that's set up and ready to go. They know how to run a directed session versus if you were just getting random people off of LinkedIn, you can't guarantee those things. Exactly. There was one time where I, I did do a project. Now, granted, if I'm working on a project that has like crazy languages, or I need to reach out to a different, um, different actors with like a specific skill set that I don't think that I would be able to get by just, you know, reaching out to my, which I do, I always will reach out to agents, but if I need more people, I'll, I will do more, I'll cast a wider net. Right. Um, but again, there's, there's no, it's hard. It's hard for me to, to post something and then be able to trust everyone on the other side of it or not think of it as like a, like a grab situation of like, I have this audition who wants to do this. It's, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like to think like that with my projects. Um, yeah. It sounds like, it sounds to me like we, we teach voice actors to have a lot of tools in their toolbox, a lot of places that they're going to get work. And it sounds like you have a lot of of tools in your toolbox of where you're sourcing talent. And so if you need to find that really unique tool, you might go a little bit wider. Um, Mm -hmm. When we first talked to Tina Marasco, she told us that she, and she's sound and fury for people who don't know her. She told us that she pretty much just reaches out to like these few big agencies. The last time we talked to her or I talked to her, I can't remember if it was just me or in a group, but she said that she's casting her net a lot wider and going into more um, like regional agencies with some of her projects, not just the, the projects that need 10,000 auditions, but like not just the ones where she needs to cast a wide net. And I'm curious if you are kind of taking the same approach or if you're still working with the same few agencies. Um, So just, I'm not sure if that question came through clearly. Do you understand what I'm asking? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, every casting director is very, very different. Um, Since the pandemic, I have, um, I have more of a network with a lot of talent agents on both coasts, right? And a lot of the people that I do work with, although they might have regional agents, um, I have been I have been fulfilling what I need to fulfill with my West Coast and East Coast people, um, talent, I should say. Uh, it's not to say that those West Coast and East Coast people don't have regional managers. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I work. Okay. So um Tell us how your background as an actor, because not every casting director has that up their sleeve. How does that help you, do you think, be um, in your casting career specifically? Yeah, Um, I always like to say I I know how to speak actor, right? Um, And that kind of came to me uh, when I was in a I was in a session or like different callbacks, right? When I'm when I'm doing something with clients uh, and realizing, you know, these creatives, they are so busy, so busy all the time. And they're working on so many things at once. Um, and when I, when I get them into a callback session, uh, the adjectives that they use and and the way that they want to get their point across to actors, um, is beautiful, but I always like to, I always like to be a part of, they want me to be a part of it. And I take it and I say, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to explain it this way. And then it's always just kind of like a, all right, I get what you're saying, but I'm going to make this 10 times easier for them because I know what you need out of that read. Um, and I, that's that's honestly, I think about it as like how I would want to be talked to as an actor. Like, like I fully understand that, especially voice acting, you get 
hundreds of projects a week, right? That you are auditioning for. Your brain is going in so many different compartments of, okay, I'm reading the specs for this. I need to sound this way. I need to sound this way. I need to sound this way. And that's one of the things that I love doing with the way that I cast even through like the virtual booth is making it as easy as possible for the actor. So if you are auditioning for one of my projects, yes, it's going to be like a national, it could be a national network commercial, right? That would be a really, really big deal. Or it's going to be like a radio spot that's going to run for four weeks. But I'm still thinking of both of those as on the same level, even though one's probably getting paid a lot more. That's okay. But I think of, I think of them on the same level and I still, however you audition, I want to make it as easy as possible for you. So even if it's a farmer, a pharma spot, I'm going to go through and make sure that you're saying everything correctly. Um, I will put a, a phonetic like key for you. And then also, like I send it through in the virtual booth, which we can talk about later of, you know, this is how it should be pronounced and should be, and should be sounding. Um, when we, before the pandemic, you know, we would always have people come into the studio to audition and it was a benefit on our end because we would have people in the booth. So if they incorrectly said the name of, of the pharmaceutical company or something, anything, literally, I would be able to stop them and say, Hey man, uh, that's, that's not the brand. Can we, can we say it's actually said this way? So then I would be able to quickly fix it. But now, since everything is remote, if I'm getting something where they say the product name incorrectly, sorry, man, it's it, I can't I it, there's too much too much time uh, that it would take for me to email the person to say, hey, can you make sure that they say this correctly for them to get it back, um, especially when I put it in something like the virtual booth. So to answer your question, I, I just like to make everything as easy as possible because that's what I would want as an actor. And even though that I'm on my end with, with, with voiceover casting, you know, I also, I'm not on both sides of it. I'm strictly just a voiceover casting director. Um, so I do love to hear feedback from actors. Like if there's anything else that I could be doing that would be able to help you in that aspect. Um, I'm always, I'm always all ears. <laughs> I'm all ears. I want to jump in real quick. I want to jump in real quick, Alexa. This has been amazing. So real quick, do you cast for all genres of VO or do you kind of have more, does your agency or you do more of one genre versus another? Yeah. So I like to say typically right now, the bread and butter and what's uh, keeping the doors open is commercial casting for me. Um, That's not to say that I have not cast for other voiceover projects, um, but the majority of the projects have been for commercials. Okay. Um, So some, we're going to get into some meteor stuff in a second. So I'm going to kind of ask some sort of surface level questions, but for you, how long are you listening to auditions or are you legit when they come in, you're listening through two takes bell to bell? What do you do? Yeah. Um, so because my <laughs> casting method, I guess, is very specific. I'm not, I, I know how many, um, how many takes I'm getting okay. per project. Uh, so I'm not getting like 500 takes where I'm like, oh, oh I can't do this. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. I can't do that. Um, so I, I give out, like call them times. Cause back in the day, it used to be the time that you would come to an audition. Right. But now it's whenever. Um, so I, I block off a specific amount of time every single day when I am working on a project of saying, this is my listening time. And I do, I listen to all of them because again, that's my job, a part of my job, but right. that's mainly like, that's, that's a job. That's a part of the job that gets my fire going. Like I, I love it. I love it so, so much because if there's something else that I want to hear, um, I block off time in my, my day where I'm able to write quickly back to the agent to say like, Hey, love this. This is so great. But like, I know that they're, they're capable of doing this. Can we try one more take like that? That's and nice. again, getting, yeah. And getting back to the, um, and this is different from if they say something incorrectly, right? Uh, this again, going back to the, to the the relationships that I have with agents, you know, it's not that I don't love talking to actors, but if I was emailing an actor every single day, you know, I would have to write like a huge, a huge thing of like, your take was so good. This is amazing. I love this. How about we try it like this? 
because again, like being back in the day of like, okay, well, what's she thinking? What am I doing this correctly? Am I doing, it's like, no, I love you. You know that let's try it this way. And all of the agents know who, who I am on a personal level now where it's like, hopefully knock on wood. Like I, I come, I I'm not, I'm not super mean. My mom always told me, she said, if you say that you're not mean, you're mean. Or like, if you say that you're not a B word, you are. Uh, so I try not to say that. So it's, but like, so- they, they understand who I am, like when I'm emailing So if I'm emailing like super quick and I'm saying like, Hey, I, I need this done. Let me know if this is okay. And they say, no, I'm going to say, okay, like, that's fine. I'll still submit them. Or I'll be like, I won't submit. Sorry. Love you. Has nothing to do. It just, it takes out, it takes out the personal side of it because right. in the end of the day, there is, this is a business. Like this is what we're doing. We're making money. So. Well, I'm going to jump in really quick. Um, we have a, a sponsor and it's Studio Bricks. And I'm going to do that really quick, but I want to, I want to come back to talk about virtual booth after our little break. So really quick, um, I'm in a Studio Bricks, which thanks to YouTube, you can see my lovely Studio Bricks here, which I, I love because it makes it so that I can work regardless of what's going on in the external world around me. So airplanes flying overhead, neighbors mowing his lawn. I don't need to reschedule a session. I don't need to stress about it. I can just step into my booth and work. And so if you are somebody listening out there who's like, I need something so that I can up my game and be a true professional, Studio Bricks is a great investment. Now, that being said, you mentioned virtual booth. We've talked about it off and on. Um, I Can you give us the two-minute explanation for what is Virtual Booth? And I'll just say I wish every casting director utilized this resource and did it. But (laughs) give us us an explanation so we know what it is. I mean, Alicia, love you for saying that. Thank you. Again, (laughs) every casting director out there is so different. And it's, I'm not, uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not curing anything. It's, it's truly just like my, again, it's the reason of like, if I was an actor, this is what I would want somebody to do for me with my projects. Um, So in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I still wanted that personal aspect there. Right. And also it was like for me too, because I was going absolutely insane and I needed to direct people. Like I, I, you can't take that away from me. So I would have everybody sign up for a time and I would meet with them via Zoom just like this. And it would be like a 10 minute uh, in 10 minute increments. And they would record on their end. I would listen. I would give them feedback in real time. Uh, and then I would tell them exactly what two takes to send. Now, um, days have gotten a little bit crazier. And now I have more and more projects where I can't um, be online uh, zooming with people for like eight hours a day. So the virtual booth has now turned into kind of like this MP3 that I send. And if it's, if I have any specific information about the project, which I always do uh, because I have creative calls with the teams beforehand, uh, I will give background information. So you're not lost in the dark, right? Um, So, you know, at least what's going on. And it's kind of like a one minute, two minute tops. I ever go over two minutes because I'm really tired, Um, but it'll just be me explaining what's happening in the spot uh, and kind of how I would want your two takes to be done. Um, And then at the end of it, I always offer my email address and I mean, crazy enough, the people who reach out to me and they're like, Hey, Alexa, I want to send these to you before I send them to my agent. Do you have any feedback? And I'll give them some feedback. uh, And they're typically the ones that get put on hold. So, Which is great. <laughs> I think it's so funny that I, I actually, that's where I was getting at because I listened yeah. to um, a podcast you did with someone else just like, was it just like last month? And you said that and I was like, I, I've never done that because yeah. when I get your, I'm like, I know how busy they are. I don't want to bother them. And so I've never reached out for feedback because I'm like, I feel like that would just be rude, but you actually, I wouldn't in. believe me. I would not. I, I would not offer it if I did not, um, if I didn't mean it, you know, yeah. there's no, am I, am I allowed to swear on here? Do we swear yeah. here? There's no BS. I'll just say there's no BS. <laughs> there's truly, there's, um, I, in the beginning, cause you know, when you're, when you have your own company and you're, you're building your own brand and, and marketing yourself, right? Like you, I, I still didn't know who I was. And I still like, we're all still figuring it out, you know, but there have been times where I was like, yeah, sure. I can do this. I can do this. And then that's when I realized when I was meeting with everybody, 
I was getting burnt out. The same exact thing of, of responding to everybody on LinkedIn being like, Hey, would you listen to my demo? I'm like, yeah, of course. That's my job. Of course, of course, of course. And then I just get burnt out. So I like to, I'm very proud of myself that whenever I offer something or whenever I build it within my voiceover, um, my voiceover, uh, jobs that I have, like I, I mean it. So always reach out. Yeah. Yeah. So any clients listening, take note, hire Alexa and Harbor picture, (laughs) because I can just tell you having been on pay to plays and all these other places, like nobody ever tells you how to pronounce though. I mean, every now and then we'll get a, a YouTube link. Just yesterday, I was trying to figure out how to say the name of a company, and I must have spent 15 minutes searching for how to say the name of the company. You don't want to say the name of the company wrong. Do you know how many companies have no videos where they say their name? Like, so just that alone is golden. So I want to get to some fun questions for, and and, and NJ's going to jump in here some too, because we, um, when you hear the word, the industry, mm-hmm. what do you think of? What does that mean to you? <laughs> um, the industry. Um, I would say it, it has to be, I know the industry is very large, right? But for me and my brain, it is the industry that I'm a part of, right? It's the industry that I do. So I would, I would say the work that I produce, is that a good answer? Yeah, I like that. The, the you know, the industry at large is the the people who make sure that the things happen, right? Yes, actually, no. That makes me sound very close minded. No. I understand that the industry is very, very large, right? Um, but there are uh, there are different avenues of the industry. I am just one avenue of this industry. There. Yes, and that's so we have a tendency, kind of in this. How do I phrase this, Jen? Um, we tend to think of what we see and what we've experienced as the whole world of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I told you the first time that I coached with and talked to Deb Sperling, I was shocked to find out that she'd never been on a Facebook group at that point. This is years yeah. ago. She had no idea about voiceover conferences. She didn't know any. And But then those of us who are like in going to conferences and participating in the Facebook forums, we have a tendency to think of that as the industry. Mm. And that's not that. And, and then you go and you talk to someone who's union and their idea of the industry is vastly different and has different yeah. rules and different expectations. And, and so I think it's actually I want, I would love to hear your opinion of how those things, I don't know how, how those things are so separate and, and how we can kind of learn and bridge that gap as voice actors of what we're being told by this moneymaker industry of all the people who are selling the services and then mm-hmm. the, the people who are actually doing the work. Hmm. Um, great question. I do think also shout out to Deb Sperling. Love great human. Um, I do think that how I how I have been kind of brought up in this industry, quote unquote, has been um I am very, very lucky. I um I don't know if I just had a, a like a informational inter, uh, informational meet with um an assistant like a couple like last week and it was so funny because I truly think of me being an assistant just last year <laughs> even at the talent agency right um and I was an assistant for a very very long time I moved from assistant of at the talent agency and then in casting and then in casting again before I became an associate with and now a casting director and I'm a part of CSA which is like I have always dreamed ever since I got into casting so many years ago that I, that I want to be a a part and recognized by other casting directors with what I do and, um, realizing, you know, my journey and how I kind of got there. I would never, I don't think even if I told someone, you know, what I did, they would be able to have that same exact journey. So there is a world where I am very, very lucky on the foundation that I was, um, educated with, um, or had, uh, and meeting specific people that, that 
you know, came before me that I got to meet and then also see this, this world kind of morph, change and evolve through the pandemic as well. Um, I don't know if there's a way to like blend them all together because in the beginning of the pandemic, I was that person. I, you know, I was introduced to different like Facebook groups and then I was introduced to different people and then realizing, you know, oh, well, they're doing really good things. You should really work with them. This is what they're working to be a part of. Uh, this person, this person, casting director is doing this, this casting director is doing that. And I'm like, ah, I want to be friends with everybody. I want to do it all. But then like, you, you just realize you can't. Um, and I think the most important thing to to take away from like the conversation of what we're having with this is like recognizing that there are lots of different avenues of doing this and one is not better than the other. Um, if you choose to go down, like when I started in the industry, there was no such thing as conferences. Um, and I'm not saying that they're a good thing or a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. If that builds community, if people have something in common and they want to learn from each other, cool, great. Keep sharing the information, but it is fascinating, you know, in the beginning, well, beginning pandemic and like, even sometimes now we'll go on or like, I will get sent screenshots of certain things of people asking people questions, asking like questions to people and be like, well, what have you done? Or, Hey, I'm sick, but I, I have this voice of audition. Do you, what, what do you think I should take to help me, to help me get better so I can have this voiceover audition? And people are like, yeah, still audition, which I'm like, if I ever found out that you were sick and you were auditioning for me, that's, that's just like a big old etiquette. No, like you respectfully say, Hey, I'm feeling under the weather right now, Alexa. What do you think that I should do about this? You don't ask other peers. Like you have to go straight to the source for that. So there, there is a level of education that I feel like is lost in translation sometimes with all of these different things flying around, because I think everybody is just like, so down to help one another. And everybody thinks that they're an expert in it. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not even saying I'm an expert, right? I'm just saying like, whoever you were getting, just because a community is a community doesn't mean that that person is an expert in what they're talking about. And some, and like, I, not in the world of like a uh, gatekeeping or whatever, but sometimes it's like, okay, not to share everything that you're doing all the time. Um, and I, I would consider like making, making it more important to like have those few people that you can just like reach out to when you have questions or what's going on rather than creating something just to make noise, you know? Um, I love and I always that. wonder, yeah, I always wonder about like the whole noise situation of, you know, there's like marketing, but there's always something behind it, right? So it's like the noise turns into marketing, turns into, I see this, I see that, I see this, I see it. So it's, again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying if you grab information from truly anybody, because anybody says that they're doing this, it's just to be careful, be careful where you get your information from. So but it true. also these these other avenues like AB's talking about because we saw a post today um, from um, an engineer in the industry and he was like, "There's people that know that have fully established successful careers and have nothing to do with I'm a speaker at a conference or I spent three thousand dollars on a demo and and you know that there's there is a disconnect there a little bit that kind of the how and why and it. It all can be when you started and like you said, who your influences are, who you're connecting with, the relationships you have. Um, but, but I will, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, no. but I will say this. It's also, this happens in every single industry. So yeah. I, I don't want to just pick on voiceover, right? Oh yeah. It's a, yeah, it's the same exact thing. If, if you were getting into, um, no, I don't want to get too, too specific, but it truly happens in any, any industry. So it's, um it's just on how and how you you want to perceive it but just know that there is no right or wrong way of doing this just know that if you are spending your own money on demos or classes or going to places with a, and like i i was a speak i was actually a speaker at um at vo north i think rip it's no longer yes, no longer yeah, around right. um but like that that was my first and only conference right and i was honored. I was 
honored to be asked to like, they were like, come please be a cast. And I was there. Um, I was there with like a few other casting directors and a few other agents that I respected because I asked them beforehand. I said, Hey, can I see the list of the people who's going to be there? Because I'm also like, I, if I'm going to be associated with this, I want to know that like, we're all in the same kind of caliber. And it's not just like Alexa Magnato is coming. Oh, great. I'm going to give my money to that. You know what I mean? So it's, Well, I think where I was going with that too, was that a talent can be or not be a part of either camp or intertwined, but that the end goal is it doesn't influence you. You're not going to ask me when I'm auditioning or when I, you, you know, you get something through my agent. It doesn't because the, the end result, I think that's one of the things, AB, I think this is where we're going with this is the end result is I need to book a job. Does me going to a conference help me book a job? Does me, and I'm being rhetorical here, you know, does me being a speaker, does that, does that book me the job? Like, I think that's kind of the, the, where we're going with this too, is just, we can do all the things and it can be educational for us and it can be built community building for us. But if I'm submitting to Alexa Magnato for a job, you're not like, Hey, when's the last conference you spoke or, you know, just kind of these extras is what I'm trying to is it just noise or are we just, yeah. Is it the noise? I mean, and the noise can also be like really good. You know, I I do, I do believe in, in having a community. Um, and it's also, it's important. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Listen, I, I don't do the, the conference, the circuit route, um, because I, uh, I'm, I'm never asked. (laughs) But that's also another thing too. I'm like, okay, uh, that's not going to, but again, I'm not in that world. Right. Right. So why, why would I be asked? Because I'm not in that world. I don't, um, I don't, I don't contribute to that world. I have my own Avenue that I am really busy in, in my world. So that's, that's just kind of what I do. Michael Cunningham in the comments said, um, every day I find some other titan of VO who I had no idea existed the day before, like so many disparate tribes of people almost existing completely independently. And I thought that was a beautiful way to put it because it, we sit in these booths and sometimes like Deb Sperling, like she didn't know anyone outside of like her New York circle of people or her agents. or It wasn't like now I, I know people in countries all over the world because of the community. But you don't yeah, have to have cool. that. Necess- it's fun. It's great. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, like NJ's saying, you don't, you're not going to necessarily book more work based off of that. So no. if it doesn't add to. If it helps you and you want to go and there, there, there's a great um, roster of people that will talk about the business and help you do specific things. Cool. Great. I don't mind that. But I'm also speaking personally. I'm, I, I, as a casting director, I don't know want. how much this deals with. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, if um, we've interviewed other casting directors, and everybody has different different takes and different opinions, yeah. and that's a beautiful thing at the end of the day because it means different opportunities and different ways to go. So I want to talk about your process a little bit. Um, NJ asked, do you do you listen to every audition that comes across your desk? Yeah, yeah. I and, never answered that. I'm so sorry. And, and do you listen to the whole thing? Yes. Yes. And yes. Because I, um, yeah, I listen to everybody. Uh, and I will always listen to the entirety of the take because if, uh, if a talent says something wrong, then yeah, that's, that's on me. It would be embarrassing for me to send through something to, um, to a creative or a lot of times talent agents and their assistants have so much going on that sometimes I will get different, uh, different MP3s of projects I'm not even working on. I'm like, Hey girl, you sent me the wrong MP3. And then they're like, ah, oh, so sorry. Then again, I, I know and understand what that world is like. So I'm like, eh, it's okay. It happens. It's not a big deal. But yeah. if it was a talent that did that and I had to send it back to the talent, then it that's, that's why it's easier for me to just like directly work with agents. So when you're listening to auditions, uh, the mm-hmm. question is written, uh, what makes you stop listening? But you're saying we, we've established that you listen to the whole thing, but what makes your brain go, eh, X like I'm not that's not going to work. Yeah, right now, um, ter- poor poor audio quality. Um, poor audio quality. Uh, my projects. I'm very very lucky that I'm attached to 
harbor because if we are working on a project where it is also being recorded and mixed at harbor uh the projects that i that i cast in my breakdown if you live in new york because we have harbor new york harbor la harbor chicago and also harbor london right so if you audition in any one of those areas and you don't have a remote setup because that's expensive or maybe you're just getting into the industry or something along those lines and you are able to come to one of our studios to do it hell yeah that's that is like the only exception that i will make if i'm hearing something and it doesn't sound good um so that's kind of the one thing the, like the first thing that i'm listening for right and then the second would probably be your delivery how you organically read the spot um and if there's anything that we could work on to make your take better perfect okay so when when you have oh she said um mary o'brady asks it may depend on the project and i'm assuming it does but how many takes do you typically receive for a commercial project and how do you decide what you pass on to the client creative team Cool. Hey, Mary. Thanks for your question. Um, I always ask for two different takes, right? One and two, uh, just to show a little bit of variety and with like a hair of more energy, probably with a second take, depending on what project it is. Um, And I always send those two. I will always send two of them unless a client is like, Alexa, this is too much. I don't, I don't want this. I just want this many people. Then I will send through that many people. Um, yeah, so it just, it kind of all depends. And then I have specific clients that like really, really trust me. And they say, Hey, Alexa, give me your whole casting, but give me your top five. And then I'll give them my top five on who I really think would like who nailed it and hit it out of the park. Um, but if not, I, I truly just like to send everybody and I say, it's on you. Good luck. So what does everybody look like for you? Are you sending them a hundred auditions? Are you sending them 10? Are you sending them 20? Uh, it fluctuates. It fluctuates. It's, I I would never send more. Um, it also all depends, but I would never send more than like, it all depends on like how many, it just all depends on how I want to build the, build the, um, build the project for them. But I would say never, there's never more than like 40, like 42, 42, never more than 42.5. No, I'm just kidding. And sometimes when somebody will only send one take, I'll be, I'll like put them through and it'll be like one of those wonky numbers. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not correct. And then I go through and I'm like, oh, cause that person only sent one take. And then they put two, two on one take. And then I got to split it up and do all that. So let's talk about takes and mm-hmm. differentiation. So we did a, uh, a, what do we call it? a con? Not, it wasn't a contest, but we did a challenge where we asked our audience to submit two takes and then we evaluated whether their takes were different enough. And um, we had a, a former casting director helping us with that. And we noticed going through really rapidly that almost exclusively most of the takes, almost universally most of the takes sounded identical, like same, same. Um, okay. And so I was curious, I reached out to uh, my uh, agent at CESD and I'm like, I'm like, am I submitting takes that sound the, too much the same? Like I'm now I'm starting to get nervous. So how yeah. much differentiation with, com- we are talking for our audience specifically here, commercial, um, I wanted to say commercial narration, but that's not the word, commercial auditions. How mm-hmm. much variation are you looking for? <laughs> Do they need mm-hmm. to sound like two different people or is it like no, a different never, Cause then that's crazy. That's like Jekyll and Hyde. And then like, what's the point of that? So the thing that I was just teaching a class a couple nights ago where I said something where it's, uh, you know, the microphone picks up every single emotion that you're thinking, right. Ooh, that you're not, yes. you're not even saying that you're thinking. So like my trained ear, because I'm a psychopath who listens to every single commercial and I know even the people that I don't cast on commercials, I'm like, huh, that was so-and-so. And then I'll like DM them and be like, was this you on this spot? You did great. Um, that's my, that's my ear. Right. And I know that my client's ear is also like that too. And if not, I could talk them into having that. So when you, when you submit a take that is just even slightly different than the first one, I'm going to be able to hear it. And I love it. So even though they might sound the same, the way that I like to direct it's like the acting 101 of like, who are you speaking to? What do you want from that person? If you change who you are speaking to within each take, I promise you it's going to sound different. 
So if I'm speaking to my mom in one take and I'm talking to her from like um like a like an Airwick holiday spot, right? If I'm talking to my mom, that's going to sound very different than if I'm talking to my mother-in-law. <laughs> yes. I'm not yes. married. I don't know why I just said that, but like if I had a mother-in-law, I would think that she's going to be very different than my mother. Your imaginary you know? mother-in-law, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably speak to mine pretty similarly because they're pretty similar in personality. But um oh, cool. so that that being said, how often let's see, I, I want to ask the questions nobody else is asking. When mm. you um get a bunch of auditions that come in and you have sent specific specs because your specs are specific, you're not saying general American 20 to 72, you know, you're 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 asking for a specific audience. How often mm-hmm. will you throw in a wild card if they send you something that's very different than what you asked for? How often will you throw something like that in and what makes you do it? Um, really never. Um, because when I get a project from a client, it's like the same exact thing of when I'm telling somebody when they read the script, they have to honor like every single punctuation of what is in the script because it has gone through so many iterations of, of, you know, copy and so many people and so many legal people, right? Where if I change something creatively on what they had worked on, that is not what they're hiring me for. So if, if there is a wild card, it's very, very seldom that I do that. And I would do it in the sense of saying, Hey, they don't know what they're looking for. I would love for you to try this. And then I keep it in my back pocket for when I do send it to the client. The client's like, this still isn't what we want. And they'd be like, okay, well, what about this? And then they end up going with it. So I can't, um, or like creatively on creative calls that I do with clients before I start a project, if something isn't clear to me, or if, um, if I know that they're trying to get one thing, but this is screaming something else, it's, it's like a, it's a slippery slope. And and that's, I've gotten very, very good at my language and how I, how I handle the whole entire thing. Cause I can't say, Oh, well, you're looking for this, right? Cause that's not my job. My job is to literally find them what they are asking for. That's my job. Mm -hmm. Um, so even for actors out there who are listening, right. Who don't get to talk to the creatives about it. Your job is to give them what they are asking for. Um, Don't go crazy. Don't go off script unless they specifically say like, hey, we love a little bit of improv in the beginning, right? Or, oh, we love some comedic background. Like show us your chops and what you do afterwards. But at the end of the day, you got to stay very, very on track with what they're asking for. I love that because we have gotten different feedback about do we improv in auditions? Do we not improv in auditions? I coached with a casting director at one point who was like, you should be improving in every audition, like everything, you know, and I, I like, I can't that someone wrote this. Script. And that's what's like, so I can't hard. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Every casting director is different. So I don't want to be like, don't do that. But like, also for me, don't do that. Cause, yeah. I, cause yeah, I, I send it to clients and then they're like, we can't, we're taking what this, what this person is doing and trying to think of it. Or if it like gets to the spot before we book, right. Of like, we're going to lay this in to see how it would sound to be like, okay, cool. We do want to book this person. This is how it would be right. It's all internal. So it's not going anywhere anyway, but like they have to, they, sometimes they visually need to see it. Yeah. So if you're improving and like going off script and figuring stuff out, then like, it's not helpful on both sides. But if that casting director says to do it, cool. Yeah. Know your, know who you're auditioning for is a big part of it. Um, yeah. So if you're in the middle of of a casting process and you um, are listening to auditions. So this, that, sorry, to get back to it, do you prefer that your auditions are coming through perfectly pristine, free of mouth clicks, free of unnecessary breathing, or would you rather hear completely authentic mistakes, mouth clicks, noise, whatever in the audition? Is And is there a balance there? Thank you for asking this question. Again, everybody's different, but for me, I don't think it is important to edit takes. Um, I think with all due respect on your side of things, you are not an engineer. You are not supposed to like, and I know they're teaching people to be like, you have to be your own engineer. And I think for at home records, there are certain aspects of that 
right? But again, I'm not on the pay to plays. I'm not a producer that's hiring you to be like, you need to do this and this and this and this and this. When you come and work for my project, there's already going to be an amazing engineer attached to the job that's been doing this for 30 plus years, right? That could do this in their sleep. Um, so with mouth clicks or breaths or whatever, I hate it when people take it out because then it doesn't sound organic to me. And it sounds, it takes me out of your performance because at the end of the day, I am truly hiring you for your performance of how you are reading the script. So if you're reading it and it's sounding choppy, it talk about what I listen to, right? That's Mm -hmm. also another thing. If it doesn't, if it doesn't come across as you selling a project or selling a product without selling it, um, it's not, it's going to come off wonky to, to my client too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I don't really like the whole editing situation. Now, again, that's not to say that if you are submitting a take and there is five seconds of dead space (laughs) before you slate and then you getting into the actual copy. No, I can't hear that. You could take that out. Um, but, but like the, the mouth clicks, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Good point. Unless it's like a hiccup or a burp. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Take out your burp. Take out yeah. your burps. Um, I think there's a little bit and it, you can confirm or deny this and then we can we can close up because I, I could talk to you for two hours easily. I know. Me too. <laughs> um, but I think I feel like there's a little bit of luxury that comes for people who've been in the industry for a while. Um, they're referencing Mandy Fisher. I don't know if you've worked with Mandy before. Um, I'm a, you probably have and maybe don't even realize it, but she uh, she talks about, you know, never editing auditions, never doing any of these things. She has agents all over the country. I feel like there's a little bit of a luxury that comes when you everybody knows that you're you're good at what you do, that if you make mistakes in your auditions and you're doing some weird things, that it's it's going to be a buy on you a little bit more because you'll be like, well, that's that's this, that's Mandy Fisher. We know she's great. We know she can pull through versus if um, Jane Doe just started voiceover a year ago, just signed with an agent and is submitting to you and she's making mistakes. You don't know her. And you might be like, I just don't know if this person is reliable. Is that, is there Mm -hmm. some truth to that, that people, you know, that have been in the industry for a while can maybe get away with more than somebody who's fresh and new? Um, no, because yeah. And because, um, again, these are the people like, and that's why I love, I love, love, love working with my agents because when they sign somebody new or if somebody's like a little bit green, they'll tell me, or I will be able to be like, Hey, this person, like, did you just sign them? Not in like a bad way, right. um, but like, Oh, did you just sign them? And they'll be like, like, yeah, she just came to us from X, Y, and Z. And this is what she's done. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So I think that her, perf- perf- her performance is really great. Um, but she's gonna have to come into a studio because I'm sure that she has a great at home setup because you told her she needs to get it, but I don't want to put that stress through somebody if they book, uh, if they book something when I have beautiful space available already for you, you know what I mean? So, um, for everybody out there who's listening, if you just stay on, we're talking about a lot about paths and, and yeah. roads right now. But truly just like stay, stay on your own path and trust, trust yourself. Um, the second that you start comparing yourself to others, because that's, that's what a lot of people do in this industry. Hell, even I do it sometimes. It can, it can just get you to spiral and that's not what you want to do. So just, just figure out who you are as a performer and why you are in this industry why you are a voice actor. I mean, there are going to be so many people that sound like you and that is a-okay, right? But the whole reason why we do this is because you are going to interpret something different than everybody else that's reading. And that's what is so stupid magical about voice voiceover and voice acting, right? Anybody can read, anybody can say that they can do this, but like what makes you different from everybody else? Doesn't matter doesn't matter. You just stick. You have to, you have to have the education to be doing this. Keep studying and keep studying with the right people and just trust yourself. And that's all you can really do. It'll come. Do you, before we close up, do you have any specific people you recommend um, that our audience coach with or, or work with or take classes with? Oh yeah. Other Uh, than you, because 10 out of 10 recommend. (laughs) Thank you. 
Um, Andy Roth is an amazing human being. Um, Carrie Faverty, my old boss, she has her VO bootcamp, which I really respect and love. Um, uh, the ladies that shut up and talk, Elizabeth Benanel and Jen Sukup, um, they're really fantastic human beings. Um, and all of these people too, they're, they're in casting, right? So like they're, it's smart, it's smart to kind of get in front of them, but they're not, they're there to teach you. And in, in, even back in the day when um, I, I used to go and I would audit Roger Becker classes, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day when he was also in casting too. And those are all the people that I kind of learned from. Um, and it's, it's awesome because there's nothing, they're not there to like represent you. They're there to make you like a really, really good voice actor. And just like the bare bones of what we are literally looking for in voice acting. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, 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 I think I'm going to keep it to those specific people as of right now, because they're also in casting and not to play like, I don't want to play like favoritism. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot of really good. Cause there's also a lot of really good actors out there that are also teaching classes as well. Right now I mentioned a few earlier, but it's, um, I, I I would start out I would start out with those and they're like the the no BS right and right. if you want to if you want to have a demo and you talk about it and they would be like completely honest with you it's like no don't don't waste your money just yet figure it out and that's what it is it's no cash grab situation um, and it's learning from people that have been doing this for a very 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 long time yeah I love that I, the cash grab thing I actually just made a TikTok yesterday or the day before yesterday about don't don't buy a package that has a demo at the end. Please, please, please don't do that. Get get an external evaluation from someone you did not coach with before you go make yeah. a demo. Um, it's hard because right. I also don't I don't want this. Sorry, I, are we like nope. to, we're so out of time? I just I don't want this to come across as like a like a warning on scams. You know, this industry is fabulous and so so great. Um, it's just always a. Uh, just, just always be careful, you know, but on the other side of it, I love what I do. And I really, really appreciate you guys, uh, asking me to be on your podcast. This has been fabulous and wonderful. And thank you for doing what you're doing for the community. Thank you. Um, I, we had a couple of comments in here. I just wanted to read, uh, Jody Krangle said she remembers your class at VO North and she loved it. It was outstanding. Um, and do you have any classes coming up six to ask, do you have any classes coming up or do you coach privately. I know you've been on the fence about that. So I know. Um I uh do uh classes. Now see now I'm I, I will talk about them. I did a class uh for Station Newcomb uh earlier this week. I did one of her classes. Um I'm doing a class for Deb Sperling. I'm doing two of those next week. Um and I think that's about it right now. Sometimes I teach an actor's connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then personal, I'm just, it's, it's one of those, you know, who knows? Not we'll sure. see what yeah. 2024 brings. So. Okay. So who was that person you said you were, you coached with last week? State, Stacia? Stacia Newcomb. Stacia Newcomb. Sorry. I'm just adding this stuff into down, the down in Furry. She has oh, a son yeah. in Furry. Mm-hmm. I get her emails and I didn't know her name. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. Um, no, but I know okay. the sound in the furry and the sound in um, the furry. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like the sound and it's like sound and fury, but um, okay. NJ, you want to wrap us up? Okay, sure. All right. So we made it an hour and just so happy you joined us and uh, you've provided so much great information for us. So before we go, we like to get, ask our guests three for fun questions, kind of James Lipton style, but they're not hard. Um, so the first one is what show or series are you binge watching or just watching right now? What's got your attention? I just finished lessons in chemistry. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even want to talk about it just in case anybody hasn't seen it, but oh. no, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Good, good acting. Stuff. Uh, two dream vacation. What's it look like? Um, mm, <laughs> I, I do want to go to Spain. Okay. I want to go to Spain in the summertime. That's what I want to do. Good enough. Love it. Great. And I've been to Spain and I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. if you were stuck in an elevator mm-hmm. and a song was on repeat, mm-hmm. what would that song be? 
that you could tolerate. You're like, okay, I can listen to this over and over. I, can I, can I say like a, a person, an artist, Sure. anything by Celine Dion, I would, I would love. Absolutely love. She, I'm obsessed with her. Diva. Yes. All right. Well, okay. So that's it. You're off the hook. So a huge thank you to everyone who joined us today live. Hi. Uh, if you're listening on our podcast, feel free to join us live on YouTube every Thursday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. We're going to move over here. I know we've bounced back and forth a little bit between platforms, but we really just want to be able to open this up beyond the voiceover community and also allow for a chat feature so that we can engage with one another and catch up and ask questions and just really making it a fun experience for everyone. Uh, In the meantime, be sure to connect with me and AB and JT, who's not with us right now, um, on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. We're fun. Come over there. Uh, If you missed a live episode, you can always catch a recording later on our website, boothbesties.com or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We would love it if you would uh, hop on any platform and leave us a review. Those reviews help us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Over to you, AB. Yeah, and make up. Make sure you're signed up for our VO Booth Besties newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. And it's probably a good idea to subscribe to us, subscribe to us here on YouTube now so you get that notification. And um, next week, We'll be joined um, next Thursday by Tim Powers, and we're going to be talking about improv and how that can help you in your acting and help you grow your voiceover career. So thank you guys and have a great rest of your day. And thank you so much, Alexa. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. Video Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.